hello, hello. Welcome to episode 70 of Cutscene Combos. 70! Craziness. Um, this week is a pretty busy one. We've got a character profile on Hulkling. We've got our review of Spider-Verse. And because I know we're going to waffle so much, we've also then got a breakdown of Spider-Verse completely separately. Um, I've also decided that going straight to streaming as quickly as we are now has killed the cinema. It's already happened. It's too late. Um, before we get into a very, very thick Nerd News Network. Thick? Thick. Like three or four seasons, that is. <laughs> Um, and then we'll be wrapping it up with the content championship this week, which is Star Wars Rebels versus Batman Beyond. Oh. So before that, good stuff. Horizontal, how was your week? My week has been good. I, I once again, I feel like this is just the, the premise every week is like, I don't really remember what's happened because I don't know where this week's gone. And I'm like... Based. I can't even remember what, like, I've done work. I know I've done work, but it's like, <laughs> I've definitely done some work. Um, but yeah, I don't know where this week's gone. It feels like it's just disappeared. Uh, more so just, I guess, also been prepping because it's this weekend that I'm helping the girlfriend move. So, Oh, is that this weekend? Yeah. Oh, how exciting. So... Driving a so, van around the country. So does does that mean we're going to get a couple of weeks of you being unreachable again, and then you're going to be back to regularly scheduled gaming because you're not pining? Um, I don't. I no, I can't comment at this I'm, time because I don't want to be held. DM. I'm going to send her a DM and get her to uninstall farming simulator from your PC. No. Yeah, and and Destiny. I'm going to get her to put like a child lock on them, so the only game you can boot without anyone's permission is Valorant. <laughs> I, I feel like that's quite backwards, and if anything, Valorant should be one I'm not allowed to boot. No. Valorant it's is... definitely era. worse for my mental health <laughs> than the other games. Though I don't know, Destiny's pretty bad at times. Yeah, no. Um, you don't degen Valorant, though. That's the thing. I have... <laughs> I have DGen Valorant and it's not great. Oh. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than gaming and some work, there's not much else been going on. Obviously, we've had great weather here at the moment. So yeah, no, the weather is good at the minute. It's crazy. Loving that. How's your week been? Uh, not too bad. Work's just crazy busy, and it's trying to get ahead of stuff in a situation where sometimes it's not actually possible to get ahead of stuff. So it's more like just shuffling stuff around to give the impression of being ahead of stuff. Yeah, I get you. Um, but it's not been too bad. Um, just every a lot of stuff that I was like, that's not till much later this year is starting to creep mm. up, and I'm like, ah, well, you see, oh. the thing is, that's weird. um, yeah, hundred percent. That's exactly what it is. Um, and like this week has just been an emotional roller coaster. So last Friday we had the highs of me seeing Spider Verse and being dumbfounded for basically the entire weekend. Then I was streaming my hardcore Minecraft world on Monday, and I died. In quite so an embarrassing way, to be honest. Yeah, no, it was absolutely heartbreaking. Um, so, like, that's like 20-plus hours of work just gone in an instant, which is why hardcore Minecraft is so brutal. Just get good. And then, <laughs> honestly, and then last night, I finally hit gold on Valorant, which I've been, like, 
actively Peaks and valleys. grinding. Yeah, no. It's like a microcosm of a human's entire existence. <laughs> just just um, crammed into a week. Yeah. So, I don't know if I'm in a good mood or a bad mood, if I'm in this <laughs> I'm in a mood. Just think, you, you did time your hardcore death quite well for the new Minecraft update. That came in so clutch, it's unreal. I, I, the way I described it is, season one of the hardcore mm. series is a British series. Six episodes, very short, <laughs> leaves everyone wishing there was more to it. Mm. Season two, 10,000 episodes. Everyone goes, this should have ended years ago, but it never ends. I look forward to that after episode four, <laughs> when we get to see you get, I don't know, blown up by a creeper. I'm going to be so, like, I was crazy cautious this time. I'm going to be a whole new level of cautious. <laughs> I'm just going to be like building Shields, fences man. wherever I go. You need a oh, shield. I had a shield, Hori. I don't know. We can't. We can't <laughs> I won't start you. I won't start you. <laughs> um, but it is Pride Month. It is. Woo! Um, yes. To my knowledge, neither of us are LGBT. No. We are both allies, though. <laughs> that was that was that would have been a real awkward moment if we'd go we're not and then Hori just goes um I am actually I'll be like ah didn't know that all um, <laughs> all those nights playing Valorant uh yeah weren't a joke never, no. never came up <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> sorry I, I just realised what you meant there <laughs> yeah some soft things are said um but we are allies we support everyone over here and what we better do. time than to shine a light onto some of our favourite LGBT characters. Mm. Um, starting off this week with probably one of the more famous ones in Hulkling. Um, so, Hulkling, aka Theodore Altman. First appearance, Young Avengers number one, February 2005. So, yeah. in the grand scheme of the world, pretty young. Yeah. Which uh, just shows how um, backwards a lot of the world still is. Yeah. Um, so, during the Kree-Skrull War, Captain Marvel, not Captain Marvel as we know her, oh. Captain Marvel, um, was kidnapped and held by the Skrull Emperor. During which time, he had an affair with the Emperor's daughter, and they conceived a child. Mm. Um, fearing for the child's safety, the mother, the princess, sent him away with her nursemaid to live on Earth. Um, being raised on Earth by the nursemaid, um, who acted as far as he was concerned as her mother. He knew nothing of his upbringing. He just knew that he had the ability to shapeshift. Oh. Um, he used his abilities to try and fit in in school because he could just try and literally blend in. Yep. Um, his his close friends knew about his abilities, um, and he did use it to occasionally live the high life and luxury by pretending to be incredibly wealth or famous people or superheroes or whatever. Um, but then eventually one day his friend wanted him to use his powers so they could sneak into the defunct Avengers mansion. But he decided that was crossing a line and he broke off the friendship. Um. Um, however, the Vision had compiled a list of people who could work in a new team of superheroes if the Avengers ever fell. Okay. This list, in this list included Teddy, uh, right. Theodore. Mm -hmm. 
so Teddy was recruited by Iron Lad, who was a young Kang variant, to okay. help protect him from being taken back to the future by Kang. Um, this team that uh, Iron Lad put together then became known as the Young Avengers, uh, where Teddy took on the name Hulkling, which was a reference to his strength and colour and how he looked in his base form kind of like a sh slightly smaller Hulk. Mm -hmm. But the Ling part of it comes from like a changeling um, because he can shapeshift. Makes sense. Um and it was on this team where he met and fell in love with his boyfriend, now husband, Wiccan. Nice. Exactly. Um, and they, they were the Young Avengers until he then ended up finding out about his heritage when a Super Scroll came to Earth um, looking for the Descendant and this royal person who was rumoured to exist. Mm. Um, so he brought a device with him that would expose anyone who was scroll by like getting rid of their hidden form mm -hmm. um, and he was surprised when this didn't work on Teddy oh. but of course it exposed Teddy's mother as a scroll mm. um, to which the super scroll killed her and kidnapped Teddy um, the scrolls were incredibly surprised to learn about Teddy's super strength which allowed them to work out the rumours of his father being Captain Marvel were actually true. Um, and essentially what happened was another mini war between the Kree and the Skrull over who he belonged to. Oh. Okay. Um, so essentially what was decided was that he'd spend six months with the Kree and six months with the Skrulls and then he'd make his decision. Shared custody. Yeah. But then... As at the end of that, he would make his ultimate allegiance. Right. Okay. Um, but what actually happened was the Super Scroll took his place oh. and pretended to be him so that he could continue to live on Earth as he wanted to. Oh, sure. Um, Teddy would go on to play large roles in both Civil War and Secret Invasion. Um, in Civil War, he was a big part of Captain America's plan to free the prisoners from prison 42 which unless you've read the comics no one will really understand that um and in secret invasion he was a big part of trying to out the scrolls and he tried to use his royal bloodline to try and help the situation oh, okay um he has super strength super stamina super durable from his father and he has shape changing abilities from his mother as well as being recognized as scroll royalty very, very interesting character. Yeah. Um, Hulkling is someone I'm hoping to see at some point. Yeah, I was just thinking. In live that. action. Um, I'll be honest, I never knew that much about him. I always assumed he was directly related to the Hulk, not a passing comment about him being green was made and he decided to take on the Hulk name from that. Yeah. Um, but I, I think a Young Avengers team at some point will be really cool. Um, so hopefully we get to see him on that. I wonder if there'll be any mention maybe of him even in passing in the upcoming series potentially would be cool oh very cool so <sighs> what my, my my thinking here is we will review the film mm -hmm. and like in a broad strokes reveal 
to do our review and give our thoughts on it and then we will get into the nitty gritty individual things that blew our fucking mind and the, the millions of fan theories that have spread and what we've seen and everything in the breakdown are we trying to keep any of this spoiler free no okay uh, listeners this is your spoiler warning <laughs> if you don't if you haven't seen spider-verse you just one get get, get your life in order for, for starters why are you listening to us go to the cinema right now just pause the fucking episode you have more important things to do yeah like this can wait um but if you aren't able to go immediately then skip past this otherwise you will get a lot spoiled for you yeah yeah review i i so I, here's the thing yeah. As a general rule, when reviewing comic book movies, I am careful to not risk angering film bros. Mm-hmm. Fuck film bros. This is the greatest film ever made. I don't give a fuck it's animated. I don't even want that to be like a bracket put on it. Like, oh, it's the best animated. No, it's the best film ever fucking made. Nothing has ever topped the experience of that. I... If I, like I, I can't think there's, there's nothing on top of like the top of my head that i'm like no nah, that was better maybe one um oh my god this just gone out my head can't have been that good <laughs> no i'm just terrible with names um who was in it what was it about oh fuck um the one in space with the waves interstellar yes interstellar i'd i'd say interstellar is an incredible film and i'm like it, it's it's in the same bracket they're in the same like top of the mark like, I, get, I get what you're saying i i fully agree animated although you don't want to put bracket like by far the best animated film I, ever it, it, ever it, created it, 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 if we're going to put it in its boxes, it is so clear of every other superhero and animated film. Yes. 100%. I don't think that's really up for discussion. No. And it's up there in the top of the top, like, greatest films made. 100%. By far. I'm, I'm willing to say the Spider-Verse trilogy is already mm-hmm. the best comic book trilogy and only two of the films are out. Because <laughs> there is no way the third one is going to miss that much based on what we've seen. No. I... Like, we we said when Guardians came out that that was the best superhero trilogy besides probably the net one in second would be the Christian Bale Batman. Yeah. This just, like, there's two of them out. And like you say, only two out. And it's already jumped way past Guardians, uh-huh. in my opinion. And it's like... It's just not even close anymore. Like, we thought Guardians was like, holy shit, this is a great trilogy. This is everything we want. And then just Spider-Verse is like, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, here's our second one. And you're, you're going to want the third one immediately because it's just, there's so many, it's so hard to know where to start with it because it was so incredible in so many different ways. And I think, I well, like, I put our tweet last night with, after seeing, because I only saw it yesterday. Mm-hmm. and it's like i I mean one i put a message in our group chat that i was just like i was speechless walking out of that cinema um 
I'm just mentally blown away. And like, I was just trying to find my tweet now. What did I say? What my, I, I, I then tweeted last night. I was like, and I still like today, like a day, like 24 hours on processing it. So it's like, it is very much a love letter to every creative, like artist and creative and every comic book fan. Like, 100%. There's so much that they did to honor both those like groups of people and really showcase what they love. 100%. And, it- like when making a film everyone involved is an artist in one way or another in this obviously you've got the very obvious like animators but also the actors are artists the writers are artists everyone and they were all fully allowed to go out there and be actual fucking artists mm-hmm. yeah like oh something i felt like there was quite clearly like it was pure art because there was no at no point does it feel like a label or anything has said no you can't do that it literally is what would happen if animators and artists are given 100% free reign to create what they want to create and that like and no pressure to like get it done in a certain time get it in a budget get it in like line with these things we want to hit like that was just like what animation should be and what comic book films should be the 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 characterization of the of the characters we interacted with flawless voice acting flawless the different art styles for each character obviously we'll we'll put more information on that during the breakdown but it was all so well put together the writing to take spot from being this villain of the week joke at the Mm -hmm. beginning yeah to holy shit he is terrifying is so impressive oh they and like to be able to i think take what everyone had high expectations of this film because the first one was so good and from the trailers they'd shown everyone was really excited and everyone was loving what was and obviously everyone's like we'll get into it with a breakdown of like what people's theories and stuff going into it and coming out but it's like they outperformed i think anyone's perception of like what this was going to be and that just shows like how well written like you said it was and how well thought out this story is to really outshine anyone's expectation of where this was going to go 100 percent. and i if i think we've said it before well we said it after guardians and I think this really does cement it. Superhero fatigue is is a fucking myth. One hundred percent. It is all just we want great films, whether it's animated or live action. Story. Yes, and it's like it, what's actually happened is people are just sick of surviving off Easter eggs and getting the same boring story with some world life like global threat. And it's like this just doesn't feel yeah good. Guardians was about saving a friend. Yeah. And then this film was about no, I'm not just gonna let my dad die. Yeah. But it plays into such a bigger story. Yeah. But the core of it is so understandable. Yeah. No, no, no actual fucking human going to the cinema can fully understand the scope of oh, I have to save the universe. Everyone understands that if someone goes, no, you've got to stay here while your dad dies. Yeah. 
no and, no one's going to accept that and that goes back to like that is what com like comic books often more often than not the stories in comic books are smaller relatable threats and they've like taken that premise and transferred it to film yeah 100 um it's it's just beautiful top to bottom and i've never seen a film that is such a part one and not mm. in a bad way because mm. like even deathly hallows part one that was underwhelming as fuck you kind of leave that and you're like that was such a part one it's unreal they're just setting up the next mm. one to just it, have all these set pieces but it didn't do that no it wasn't it, it's just almost like, like a they setup. animated like a five-hour film and went okay and then right in the middle i you know i you can guarantee they wrote the whole film as if it was going to be like you say one solid film and then they were like this is the scent like the big arc moment we're going to cut it there there was no like predetermined like okay this is going to be the setup for the second part so it's just then ends up being just like you say a setup film yeah but it's just the film honestly, didn't miss it hit everything it really the film didn't. needs to do yeah granted it doesn't have like cinematography guess what it went we're going to redefine what animation is yeah we grew up on toy story which was mind boggling at the time and it's still very impressive this is something else yeah, this is this is what happens when artists and creatives, like an animators, that side of things, are set free to do what they want to do. I can guarantee, I, I'll say this now, every artist that worked on that film should be incredibly proud of what they've produced. Mm -hmm. Because, like, there was, n you could see that the, there was no boundaries set and they were allowed to just make art. Without making it too breakdowny just yet, um, for instance, the animation of uh, Spider Punk. They yeah. said they they spent two years just working out how they wanted to do that, like prototyping different ways of how they were going to do that before they landed on the final design. Like that is, yeah. It shows the dedication to getting it right. That's something else. Like um, we'll. I'm sure we'll get into more in the breakdown, but the, the way that they were able to, although this is a Miles Morales story, all the characters we were introduced to didn't feel like just side characters. They were done in such a way and so well done that like they each got their moment and their time to shine in whether it was their art style or how they were presented, like the actors who played them. Like, and then it all got melded together. And I think that also shows like just the, the time and effort put into making sure that each of those characters did feel yeah. valuable. But in the I, think, of I think I think another big part of it as well is a lot of the time when you talk about them great trilogies, a lot of the time people talk about the foreshadowing and the parallels mm -hmm. and the stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean they were there. All of them were there. All of the foreshadowing, all of and like even now, my TikTok feed all week has just been people pointing out new parallels or new bits of foreshadowing from the first film that mm. at the time no one even noticed. Yeah. That this just shows that this was always, they were always hoping they could make this their trilogy they had in mind. They just needed the first one to get them going. 
Yeah. And like, although the animation in the first one was so phenomenal, this was all a lot crisper because they clearly had more money and more time to focus on it. It's almost like the first one was a in, proof of like, concept. Yeah. Literally, it was like a proof of concept of like, okay, we have this style we want to go for and these ideas with like how we want to do the animation that hasn't been done before. They did it. Everyone fucking loved it and was so impressed with the way that they did things. Like with the, it's mentioned many a times with the fact that Miles was edited on twos or whatever and then switched to ones later down because he got smoother with his abilities. Things like that were all proof of concept of like an idea that they knew themselves would be really cool, but they don't know that the viewers are going to enjoy that. There are always going to be things that an artist enjoys Mm. that the normal consumer won't even notice. And And you've got to find a way to hit that middle ground. Yeah, and I think because the first one did so well, like you said, this one just felt like everything was dialed up to 11 from the first one. There was like so many like... It was crisper and so many extra things that were like quite clearly ideas they've had of how to like to add to the feel of it, um, which I'm sure we'll get into in the breakdown. One hundred percent. By but, far the best film of the year, without a doubt. Without a doubt. And here's the thing: I'm actually like I'm still excited for the Flash. It ruins the Flash, though. It ruins it completely. No, no. We jokingly said last week this is going to end up being the last episode because we're going to both leave that and go. There is no way anything ever tops that. <laughs> Cinema has peaked. Yeah, we'll be back in a year for part two. Yeah. And honest <laughs> to God, I was sat in the car after watching it with my girlfriend. I was like, "We made this joke. It's not fucking far off." I was fully like, "How do I ever go and watch something ever again and expect to enjoy it?" What's harder as well, I think, is the current state of the mcu it's it's like we've we've said throughout doing this podcast dc and sony have very low bars so we expect like we go into everything like they've given us nothing to like prove that they know what they're doing sort of thing so it's like when a film from dc has been mediocre kind of like shazam and i mean black adam as well we've gone oh yeah that was kind of good from dc they're not getting worse. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, like, Marvel, we've had the high. Now they've dipped a bit. And then we've got, now got over here, Spider-Verse is like, hey, by the way, this is what Spider-Man can be. And now we're going to go back to MCU and be like, bro, what are you, what are you doing? You you had it. Uh, where have you? You've just dropped it. Like, it's just raised the bar on all, like, animation and superhero films and just cinema. It is, um, it's exactly what cinema should be. Yes. Um, and if I don't think uh, these people are fewer and fewer as each year passes, if there is still some idiot out there who goes, I'm not going to watch that. It's animated. It's for children. You are the child. If you think you are too good for animated media, you are the child, not the child enjoying the animated media. You. Because. They were able to capture a emotion that no actor could. Honestly, anyone that sits there still and goes, oh, don't watch it because it's animated. You know what? Well, one, grow up. But you know what? Fine. It would be be wasted (laughs) on you. And you don't deserve to enjoy that. So you can sit in your corner and watch your Fast and Furious 10 part 2 
and yeah. yeah, we'll enjoy the good stuff. Right. Breakdown time. No, before we get into oh. the breakdown, last part of the review. Who was your favourite character? I know you know who mine is. Oh. Who was my favourite character? <laughs> Honestly, I, I there's so there's so many different reasons why I like so many of them, like for different reasons. It, it truly does feel like one of them times you're like, okay, I love them all, but if I absolutely had to have a favourite. I'm gonna go spider punk. Yeah. Yeah, I think purely because like his performance, like I like you say, I love them all, but like there's certain things that I loved multiple of from him. Like I love the way they animated him. I love the style they went for, and I love the way that like, just the way his character was done and portrayed. So, if you had to have a guess, who do you think my favorite character was? Spider Punk. Yeah, it I was mean, that. I'd be proud. Yeah, it was that, or you were going to turn around and go, "I really liked uh, Andy Samberg's." Uh, he Scarlet was very Spider. good as, uh, as as Ben Riley. Um, but I mean, I'm not going to act like I am like actively an anarchist, but mm. I peddle a few ideals. I'm not going to pretend <laughs> I don't. I'm not a role model. I was briefly a runway model. I hate the AM. I hate the PM. Genuinely, when that is a tattoo. <laughs> when he when he did that whole like in like the introduction to meeting him, and the we're hardest gonna thing ever written. Honest, like this is now us switching into breakdown. I'm just gonna like because we're gonna start. One hundred percent. When he did those like few bars, it in my brain was like, oh shit, and like like the typical way you are when like, the I hate the PM drop gave yeah. me the, the same- The amount of Americans who won't have got that. I got the same energy as um, Storms are going, fuck the police, fuck Boris. Yeah, fuck that, the government that, and fuck yeah. Boris, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that vibe, I was just like, this is pure yeah, British. Yeah, inject it. Like, so this, for any oh. American who might be listening, um, so I know a lot of Americans struggle to understand him anyway because he was put, putting on a proper Cockney accent, which yeah, was really was. good. Um, obviously, not a role model was briefly a runway model is pretty obvious. Hate the AM as in doesn't like getting up in the mornings. Hate mm -hmm. the PM as in the Prime Minister, which is the closest you get to our equivalent of the President. Yep. Um, and obviously it plays into the whole morning and evening. Fucking bars. Yeah, and then Absolute he's like, bars. then he's like talking about hanging down at the pub. Yeah, hanging and down the my, pub with that man. Then yeah, <laughs> I was just like, this is brilliant, and it that's just like deep. his introduction to him. The style that they chose for, and I know I've like read up things, and I know they spent a long time trying to figure out how yeah. they wanted to do him. Well, and they, they, each part of his body was a different frame rate, wasn't it? Well, so his so, head was done in three, his guitar was done in fours, and I think his body was done in two. So they went for as many different styles from newspapers to comic to draw. Like, they, they bounced between that. They bounced between color and black and white. They, like you say, animated different parts of him on different things. They made sure he was extra choppy a lot of the time. Like, I think he was probably, majority of him was edited on, like, six 
Yeah. Like they like while that's like totally different style, it hundred percent plays into the anarchist side of his yeah. character as well. He because won't like, conform. Yes, he won't even, conform. Even internally with his different parts not operating as one, he will not conform. Like he's so good. He just wouldn't fit into an, an animated style and that is like pure purpose that they did that and it was just like that alone adds so much to the creativity from this team 100 and it's the exact same with gwen's universe being all watercolors yes. and essentially being a mood ring of gwen's mood yes. whatever gwen's mood was the color was changing and it was gorgeous this especially when she was having that heart to heart of her dad and she's getting really upset because she thinks it's going terribly. And you see the water, <laughs> you see the watercolor starting to run in the background. And then he's like, "No, I quit because I just want to support you." And then it gets bright, and it and it's like, "Ah." Oh. Well, yeah. There's like there's many times like when she, it's her part at the beginning, and her room's like all blue, and she like is very using color to display emotion of like blue, sad and depression. And then it's her dad stood there, and he's like orange and warm. And then they hug and it spreads. And like, yeah, they they were so creative. And it, we sort of talked about in the review of like how each character had its own clear visual style that didn't take away from the any of the others. And it allowed them to really shine and stand alone. Because we also got um, Spider-Man India. Like all so of good. that style was incredible. Loved him as a character. Do you know what I think it was? I, th I think the philosophy was what is the best way to do this character in their world? Mm. And it doesn't matter if it doesn't initially look like it works with the other ones because it will all come together. Yes. I think a lot of the time there is a danger if they end up all looking quite samey because you want them to all feel the same. But they were like, no, we're going to do Gwen and her world this way, Spider-Punk and his world this way, blah, blah, blah. And it's fine if they don't look the same because no one's expecting them to. No, and, and I just... I know that the I've seen a thing where I don't know if it was the directors or someone got interviewed, and they were saying that a lot, like for years, animation studios have unknowing, like not intentionally, but have been stuck in the same style and having to like stick into kind of guidelines of what an animated film is. They wanted to blow the doors off that as much as they could, and like you say, doing making sure that like they were thoughtful in every character's style being relevant to them as a character not to the film as a whole meant that like you've got this amazing blend of styles 100%. throughout the whole film um so should we start getting into the real nitty-gritty okay of things and bits and bobs starting off with canon events okay now I love that they called them canon events. Yeah. Because instantly anyone going to see this film will have heard the word canon before. And it makes it very clear instantly. Boom. These are things that have to happen. I love canon events mm. as a concept. I would like Marvel to go out there and for all of their main players, go, these are the canon events. And then that mm. gives writers freedom to go out and tell their own stories of a character and they will have these five or six bullet points that all have to be adhered to so for instance like a captain america canon event yeah has to have been scrawny yeah has to have tried to enlist in the army and been rejected super soldier serum in ice you yes. can follow them same four canon events 
and put him in any country in the world in any time and mm. it will work. Yep. And everyone will go, well, that's Captain America. I I do wonder if they do actually have that and not publicly have stated, but like so like in their files they have like, okay, these are set things that have to happen for certain characters. Um do, do you want, would you like to hear one of my personal fan theories that I've not heard anyone talk about yet? Okay. But it's been referenced by people, but I don't think they've really dug down yet. Okay. So everyone is saying how um Spider Man India is just Spider Man minus the depression. Yeah. It's because he's not been for as many canon events yet. Oh, yeah, no. No, and... no everyone seems to be glossing over that. They're just like, oh look, it, it, this is Spider Man. If he wasn't depressed, it's like, yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't lost everyone yet. Well, he hasn't lost anyone yet. Like he was meant to. Like that was uh, the no, thing that got. Have, he will have lost his uncle Bim. Well, but like he met that like, he yeah. meant to have gone. We like it was stopped, so we don't see what would have happened. I also loved keeping on with Spider-Man India. Yeah. I Some people have picked up on it, some didn't. Some thought it was just like him making his... But it's like the parallel of the joke between ATM machine and Chai T. Chai T, yeah. I fucking loved. It's like, so good. It shows that all Spider-Men are so inherently similar. Well, yeah, they've all got the same sense of humor. That is what it showed. It's like all Spider-Men have this pun like based sort of very cheesy humor of like sarcastic and it's yeah. like the fact that he called it chai tea and then he's like lecturing about it you just called it tt and then it happens again later with someone saying chai tea and he's like no yeah it was it spotted it he's like oh i love yeah. chai tea <laughs> it's so so good um what else did we have there was so much fan service there was and, so much, but it was done in a really good way. It was done necessarily. Yes. I'd say the only bit of fan service that didn't serve an obvious purpose was Donald fucking Glover. I, so I just want to say I fucking called it <laughs> because it was like two weeks ago we were talking about a live action Miles Morales film and you were like, oh, I hope that, and I said, well, when they do it, I just hope they still use Donald Glover as his uncle. And you know what? Yeah even make him the fucking prowler because why not because he can be and then there we are as soon as it showed him as a prowler i was like i was fucking right mate it's it's so beautiful because we've got to remember these films don't exist without donald glover no granted he didn't write them he didn't direct them blah blah without him just existing and doing the community six seasons in a movie um <laughs> we literally wouldn't have this character we wouldn't have these films you know, it's his. It is one of the largest butterfly it. effects that is so easy to track. Yes. Um, and him being and getting his moment is so so good. It really was, and I really hope because oh, don't get me wrong, it's quite clear that like Sony is trying to like really like that. That there's this like weird back and forth that's like kind of being done through the movies between sony and marvel and disney of like this is what's really going on like, and like this kind of like trying to one-up each other in a way and i feel like them adding donald glover in one is like you say paying homage to what he caught like the spark that he caused yeah. to affect and like the writers wanting recognizing that i also feel like it's them going what are you going to do now mcu we just made him prowler so you kind of going to have to make him prowler 
They're like trying really to force their hand to use him. See, it's really interesting. I took it that way as well, but an interview's come out with one of the head guys who worked on this film, and he said it was actually really collaborative between them and Marvel, and Marvel were really happy to help. Oh, shit. I, I genuinely think right now the relationship between Marvel and Sony is Through the strongest Spider-Man. it's ever been. And it's all because of Tom Holland. Yeah, 100%. He got <laughs> drunk one night when he thought he wasn't Spider-Man anymore, and now they're all just getting along because no one wants to see Tom Holland sad. I um, on it, I really hope, and do you know what was cool? It was really because we got two moments of it with a live action mixed with um, animation. So we obviously got Donald Glover sat there, and while yes, it like quite clearly is a live action person in a fully animated universe. It didn't look that great. Like it wasn't. Oh, it really didn't look too bad. It was well it, done. It, look, it looked better than like the old Space Jam film with Michael. Jordan. Yes, yeah. <laughs> like, like it's been a while since any studios kind of attempted that again, because the days of Space Jam, like it looks dated and it's not like. But with skills of artists and stuff now, like it looked good. I also really enjoyed that we got um, the corner shot woman from Venom. That was so great when Spot popped his head and it was just her chilling there, like, unfazed because she's used to fucking Venom all the time. Yeah. And in a way, this has done a better job of tying the multiverse than Doctor Strange did. Like, I pull it all together. Do you know what else was a big change that kind of went under the radar? Go on. Okay, so, Peter B. Parker... In mm-hmm. the first film, Into the Spider-Verse, said yep. he was from Earth-616. Mm-hmm. Which caused massive issues because everyone was like, shit, that's main continuity Peter Parker. But then the MCU claimed they were Earth-616 and it all caused loads yep. of problems. So, obviously, in this film, they referred to the MCU Earth and its original designation and the true designation. Yeah. Um, Peter B. Parker's universe has been changed to Earth-616B. Mm. Yeah, so it shows that it's a very closely related Earth, but with a slight variation. Yeah. Um, but just going back into the canon events for a minute. Yes. Because we kind of got teased what they were. Well, yeah, that in, was in the screens. That we that, got. Um, it, I think that really helped. Like, like you said, obviously everyone here hears the word canon. But to then, like, you're stood there listening to them talk about it, and then there's reference to, like, some of the other Spider-Man films, and you pick up yeah. on those, like, really helps sell the idea over. Well, so you had, obviously, un- an uncle has to die. Mm-hmm. Then you had the captain has to die. Mm-hmm. Then you had, um, they have to have a black suit, was one yeah, of them. Yeah, symbiote has to take yeah, over. Yeah, and then there was a reference in the background that they have to go through their own clone saga. Which is interesting. Oh, I miss Another one. really interesting thing I saw was so there's a really famous comic book shot that people will have seen, even if they don't know they've seen, of Peter Parker walking away from a bin that has the spider suit falling out of it. It mm. was replicated in Spider Man 2 as well. Okay. Um, by Sam Raimi, which is why people probably recognize it. There was a shot of that being replicated um, in Hobie's universe when we had all the screens going around. Um, but this brings me on to one of my next favourite things. So, I'm not sure how well known this is going to be in America either. 
over here in the Doc Martin culture, although it's a lot mm. smaller now, you used to have what was called lace code. And depending on what color laces you had, it was used to communicate messages. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not that up to date on lace code, and I know a lot of it is defunct now. But people noticed that at different times, Hobie had two main colors on his shoes. Oh, sure. Yellow and blue. Okay. So yellow in lace code, I believe, is anti-racist skinheads. So it's like, yeah, we look like a skinhead, but we're not racist. Yeah. Um, and then blue was worn by people who had killed police officers. Oh, shit. So there are one of two ways to look at this. Um, and people can take this however they want based on the character. The first one, because we know that Hobie did have a police captain who died, mm. is that he feels responsible and he feels like he killed the police captain, so he wears blue. Yeah. Or you go the other way and you go, well, we know Hobie's killed people. So did he kill a police officer who was a dirty cop in this big corrupt world? Maybe. You can take it either way. You could even take potentially as he killed his police captain deliberately. His yeah. police captain ended up being a snake and he had to kill him. Um, but it was really interesting. Um, and yeah, like, this, film, this film is going to have stuff found out about it for years to come. I mean, oh. we didn't know the we didn't know the meaning of the bagel. So here's okay, back to the bagel. I a hundred percent believe, and I could be wrong, and maybe I'll be proven wrong. That maybe someone will come out and say, No, this was the plan all along. That bagel was an artist's just funny joke when they were drawing that frame. There was just like, oh, like the the storyboard is like, oh, he grabs a bagel and he just throws it at one of us, and so like, we can have a funny little like that's a very artist thing to do when you're storyboarding is just like come up with some funny little moment. Everyone latched onto that fucking bagel so hard. I feel like they were like, we have to make this into something now. Like this, the artist in them was like, we have to make this bigger than just a bagel. I, I get what you're saying. Um, what I will say, shout out Straw Hat Goofy, um, big TikTok movie guy. When the first film came out five years ago, he did a TikTok on his favorite little bits from the film. And the guy getting hit in the face with the bagel and the word bagel popping up was one of the bits he called out. Mm. And he did a TikTok after watching this guy and seeing that be so important and that being one of my favorite bits of the first film yeah. is like so surreal. I, I honestly do think like it came from pure just like fans latching onto like because so many people latched onto because then they went even further with it. like obviously there's the whole it, that was the thing that that was spot the, the scientist yeah. and all that there was also um a because everywhere all at once the film there's like yeah. multiversal or whatever has that like the, bagel in the yeah corner, has a it? bagel as like their way of like all of it being linked and it's them jokingly apparently making a reference to spider-verse um there's a billboard i can't remember which city it was in um and it's something like it's like a play on it's like a picture of a bagel on a billboard and it's a play on the title of everything everywhere at once but i can't remember how it was worded basically them going we saw your bagel in your film here's another yeah. <laughs> reference to it in ours and i'm loving that like the artists are adding those little things in um, the other crazy thing is 
we we find out in this film that the spider was from Earth forty two. Yes. And then they people have gone back through the first film, and the number forty two is fucking everywhere. Like everywhere, there's a scene from up top where Miles has fallen over when he's swinging, mm. and something's fallen off a building, and the numbers forty and two are like surrounding him. That's. It's just an attention to detail yes. that is so beautiful. That's the big thing. Like the artists have been given the time to do the attention to detail. And so keeping on like that idea of attention to detail, something that I love that they, and I mentioned in the review of like how they stepped it up to like 11 this time with the style, like making it feel like a comic book. We got the stacking of the comics when it changed character and it was done in a, if you looked at it, they were stacked in chronological order of how we met the characters in the first film, as well as this one. Then you got the things that I loved, which was like, when something as it would be in a comic a new power is mentioned or a term or slang that they know as writers wouldn't be they'd put it in a little box of what it means so there's like one bit where it's like he's got hammer force and then a little box popped up in the corner which has for the general viewer doesn't add anything to the film or the like what was good because it's literally on there for a split second but it's like if you saw it i saw someone had got a screen grab of it and it was like Hammer Force is a power that is like an unlimited space to pull any sort of weapon out of at any moment's notice. And it's like, it's up there for a split second, but it's like those the, little details made it feel like a comic. Yeah. They're in comic books. Like yeah. In the Spider-Man comics I've got, mm. if they make a reference to something that's happened in the past, it'll go, oh, if you want to know more about this, this is the issue you need. And like, so obviously I, as a comic book reader, I see them and I'm like, that's really cool. Yeah. Jenna's never seen anything like that before. So when I explain what they pop up for, she's like, oh, that's really clever. Yeah. It's like the attention to detail on that is pure fan service and pure artist service of like, yeah. we want to do this cool idea. We know the comic book fans will understand it. No one else will care. They're up there for like split seconds at a time. Like no, some people won't even really notice or pay enough attention, but like we want to do that. So they did it. And it's like, yeah. there was so many small details like that, that just added to show, really showed that like they are comic book, like this is ultimately built for comic book fans. 100%. Would you like to know my favourite dumb thing? Go on. So we see the Spider-Man T-Rex. Yes. So when he shoots his web, we get the iconic whip. whip. Yeah, it says yeah it's got the little hyphen. It's like, whip. That's, there's... But I literally laughed in the cinema just at that. And it was on the screen for maybe three frames. But I was like, that is genius. That's back to each version of Spider-Man that we got shown, even for a moment had something unique um with the like the t-rex there was also like it's jumping to later in the movie but when miles reveals at the end to his mom and he does the flip whip but it's like with question marks yeah like small things like that um oh something that like you talked about the t-rex spider-man um the fucking lego universe it was there okay, for a moment. Have, have you seen about this? Sorry. No. So, do you remember a while back I sent you the 14-year-old who'd done the entire, yes. tra entire trailer animated yes, yes, in Lego? Yes. 
that's the guy who animated the Lego scene in the film. It was that 14-year-old. Fuck off. No, he did. He animated that entire segment in the Lego universe for them. Uh, yes. Oh, what? Yes. So that insanely oh, talented 14-year-old that broke the internet of his all-Lego trailer that everyone was like, this kid is going places. Bitch has already been places. <laughs> What's even better is they got fucking... What's he called to do... The voice of they oh they yeah. took the voice of, um, Bugleman. Yes, it's from yeah. one of the the original Spider-Man film. Yeah, they just took the same. But it's like when when he popped his head in and it was like I was like holy shit it's Lego World this is amazing and then he shows up uh when the Spider Park parked car yeah. he stood on the little part on the handrail of it and I'm just like it's. it's phenomenal from start to finish i just this film filled me with so much joy in so many ways so consistently um what's some other some of the other and we're gonna forget stuff anyway i'm well aware of this oh the huge things okay so yes i know the big reveal was that miles was in the wrong earth yes i spoiled that for myself because as he's about to get sent on the screen it says earth 42 so so if you're paying attention yeah, oh, you... Sorry, not paying attention. If you're really fucking watching, yeah. you can see that he's being sent to the wrong Earth. But they put it there, hoping that in the shenanigans that's going on, you might miss that little bit, and then you get the big surprise. So, building on that, I did miss that it was on the screen. Even though, like, obviously I... Some people wouldn't really, un, like, grasp the whole, like, his spiders from a different Earth. Like, yeah as it's being revealed, like, it's not... The average viewer might not be able to grasp that so quickly. Obviously, I... Like, I know we definitely understood it. It didn't, like, click in my head as he was getting sent home. The way that the artists fucking bamboozled everyone visually or, like, played this, like, weird dance with us um, where it's, like, at no point do they... Like, the styles are close, but they're quite clearly different of the different worlds. Like, the color palette is close because they chose the time of, like, nighttime yeah. in his original world. Like, the way that they did things like that, they timed things with um, Scarlet Spider getting sent back by Gwen, sent away, and then it's like, then they cut to him climbing in the window. So you're like, oh, well, he's just, like, timed that perfectly. They were so smart with how it was cut together and put that sequence to yeah. fool the viewer into not having enough time to like second guess if they're in the same world. Yeah, but it was and then it's the like, foreshadowing. Well, yeah. Because but... the coat he put on in the wrong universe, which obviously that universe is Miles' coat, was mm. in Prowler colors, not Spider-Man colors like his coat was. Yes, and his room was laid out different. Like there was a lot more like records and like music. Like, yeah. It was like small details like that, yeah, where things were different, but not drastically different that the viewer's like, hang on, he's in the wrong place, till the big reveal where his mum's like, what, Spider-Man? And then even yeah. then you're like, oh, maybe she just doesn't watch the news. Yeah. Or she's like, um, and then it's like, hang on, no. And then you, it's... like the uncle reveal, and you're like, oh, wait. Yeah. Oh, well, Miles has the moment of, holy shit, I'm in the wrong world. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So there's some even bigger bits here that need to be going over. Okay. Um, so we find out that this spider verse, uh, sorry, this spider that bit Miles mm -hmm. is from another universe, and that universe now doesn't have a Spider-Man. Yes. When we see the spot talking about taking that spider, mm. we see Miles with cornrows. Yep. Which I think fairly everyone has kind of assumed now that that means Miles was going to be the Spider-Man in that universe. Yes. Um. And then when they interact and into and Miles meets Spider-Man, when Miles gets his first spider sense, it's in the Prowler colours. Oh. And then it fades into blue and red as him and Spider-Man kind of like lock eyes mm. to show. And everyone's now going, oh, that shows that his fate was changing. Yeah. Are you ready for the next crazy fucking bit? Oh, so if we assume that him and Miles from Earth-42's destinies have essentially swapped now, mm. because our Miles was supposed to be the Prowler, their Miles was supposed to be Spider-Man, mm -hmm. when we're at the end of the film, he's strapped to the bag, the light shining on Earth-42's Miles' face is red and blue, like Spider-Man. Mm. The, 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 the visual storytelling is something I've never even in don't get me wrong, I know this is used by a lot of live action film directors. Mm -hmm. I've always struggled to see it and understand it while watching it. This animation style makes it so much easier. And I don't think it does it in like a dumbing it down way. I just think the style makes it so much easier to notice these things. Mm -hmm. Um but the thing that's really blowing my mind here is and this was something I didn't notice. When Miles meets Peter B. Parker in the cemetery and shocks him, yeah. he takes him back, he takes him back and he ties him to a punching bag. Mm -hmm. And the first lesson he teaches him is first lesson, always watch your hands, don't watch your mouth. And then the ropes drop. And the film or Miles part of the film ends with him talking to Miles. And then you see him gearing up yeah, the electricity his... on his chains. Yeah, and it's his... just everything is coming full circle, and I fucking love it. Yeah, there's so many things that are paying off from the first film into this one. Yeah, and it's not in a callbacky way; it is in a no. full circle way. Yeah, like it in a well-written story way. Like it's all thought out and clearly thought out. And the and... best bit. Well, the best bit is the team we've got to go save Miles for the third film. We've got all of the OGs from the first film, yep. and we're adding in Hobie and Pravit. It's going to be so... I need Noir and Hobie. I just, give me three hours of them two interacting. That's all I want. That, honestly... So, like... Bouncing around all over the place. That's another thing with, like, with Hobie throughout the film he's like he's just grabbing like random pieces of electrical stuff and you throughout the film you're just like oh he's just being anarchist he's an and anarchist. He's yeah. causing trouble <laughs> he's just fucking about to just be irritating and um throughout the whole so you don't really think anything of it and then obviously at the end like when miles go like he's boom i'm going home and then he just chucks off his fingers like right guys i'm i quit and he just disappears you're like oh well that's him him done he's going back to his anarchist ways um which i fucking love that they didn't because the idea of him being a team is contradictory to what he is but it they didn't like 
they could have quite easily just left him there, like as part of that team, and then everyone would have been like, "Well, it's a bit weird that he's like." They made sure to be like, "No, look, we he we realize he is not meant to be part of a team like that." Yeah. Um, and then he like leaves a present for Gwen, and it's like a yeah. hand-built fucking watch, which shows that even he's fucking as intelligent as a Peter Parker should be. Um. Would you like to hear a rogue shout for what we might see in Beyond? Okay. I'm we ready. might see a Prowler variant. We might. Because the original Prowler is Hobie Brown. Mm. So, in in original continuity, before Miles was a thing and Aaron Davis became the Prowler, mm. the Prowler was Hobie. And then okay. the Hobie who became Spider-Punk is obviously from different universe. Yeah. Yeah? Well, we've already seen... I would seen... not be surprised if we get a reference to that. Po- po- quite possibly. I mean, we've already had, like, Donald Glover as Prowler, so it makes yeah. sense Which that... is why people really love the reference of Hobie Guy, and I caught that on myself, talking about the Prowler. Yes. Yeah. I like that, yeah. Um, um... Oh, there's so many things, and it's so hard to, like... Because this is the thing, it's like... The story was incredible, and all these little details is it one adds to the story and what's being built, but it also a lot of it is fan service, but not in a way that's like in your face fan service. And it's a lot of it is just it's supposed to be enjoyed like the fourth time you watch the film. Yes, <laughs> and it's like it's fan service from just the artists, like putting in things that like, no, this is cool to us. We're putting it in the film. We haven't got some studio saying, what's the fucking point in that? Don't put that in. Well, do you know what a good example of that from the first film would be? So all of the animators were desperate to get to animate Stan Lee. Mm. So basically, at any time, if a train is going past and you pause it, Stan Lee is in the window because every artist wanted to animate Stan Lee once. So they just put him in all of the trains and cars and everything. So everyone got to draw him. Which I remember that because it hit harder because it was like two Not months. After. Yeah, it was like yeah. a month or something after he died. Yeah, it, there's so many things like that that the artists have done that have just added to it. And it's like, it's so hard to really remember every bit. But going back to the attention to detail. Mm. So... Spider-Man 2099 doesn't have wall-crawling abilities. Mm. So when they're on the train and it's going vertical, he's digging his claws in and you see the claw mark because he can't climb walls like the other Spider-Man. He physically has to dig his fingers in. And it's just like this attention to detail to everything's beautiful. Oh, the other bit of foreshadowing. Okay. In the first one, when they're doing the spray painting, he paints around Miles. That silhouette with the black and then the white outline lines up perfectly with when Spock goes OP mode and his colours invert. The silhouette with the slightly higher shoulder yeah. is identical. That's identical. Weird. People have cut the frames in front of each other. They're the exact same outline. I really liked how they developed Spock's visual and it like it inverted as he got more powerful and essentially more evil. And like we haven't really touched up like him as going from villain of the week and miles making a joke about that 
to which he then took offense and like in such a comedic way of being like i can't believe you would call me that mirrors the whole kind of the thing from guardians with um pluto being like no call me a good dog yeah um that bit of comedy and then like the like from the trailers i we all just were like okay he's gonna be villain of the week and like we'd said with the character profile he'll probably maybe come back later when he's got a hang of things and he's more of a problem for miles did not expect them to do that in the course of the film and we see like oh miles figures it out and i'm like okay he's got he's like caught him he's got the hang of it then it's like oh shit no spot's got a new level that miles isn't prepared for and we see that evolution of him into like here's the fucking problem now not just the villain of the week meanwhile miles is just hasn't even really conceived that yet he's just trying to save his dad yeah 100 percent. it's um it's so so good and once all three of them are out watching them back to back to back is going to be an absolute necessity mm. Um, oh it really is and while i'm very excited at the notion that we've only got like 10 months to wait That's too if they <sighs> if they need to delay it to make sure it's perfect i will swallow any delay they throw at me if oh. they have to yeah um, i don't think if, they will if they can actually pull this off and have it ready for march 2024 my god so here's here's my fear on how they are managing that like we said at the beginning, like earlier on, where it feels like they just wrote it all and then cut it to make, and that's why it feels so good as like a part one. I guarantee they were just from the get go, had the whole story written and was animating it all, but knew that like this chunk has priority to be animated first because we, it's the first thing, but like I guarantee. I most of it is done. Um, my only concern with that is Hayley Seinfeld has said she's not done any voice acting for the next film yet. And she was doing voice acting for this film for four years of its development. Mm. I mean, yeah, but voice acting in the grand scheme, like voice acting versus, versus animation, voice acting takes far less time. I get what you're saying, but my, my, my point is she was doing sessions for voice acting for four of the five years this film was being made and she's not even started on the next one yet. Now, don't get me wrong, she could absolutely just be lying through her fucking teeth. Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> Most likely. But I, I won't necessarily be surprised if there's a couple of months of a delay. Possibly. Just so they can make sure it's all good to go. On the whole, like, four-year like four of the five years it was spent making it do you want to know a fun fact about the always spider the so the chase scene where they're all chasing miles yeah with all those spider people that sequence took four years to complete just that one sequence of the film worth every second 100 percent. and imagine being the artist that worked on just that one sequence for four years though yeah like rewarding though oh yeah the sense of accomplishment must have been crazy obviously i imagine a lot of hands touched that sequence but it's like 
it's wild that just one sequence of the film took four years to complete and shows how much time and effort was put into this film and the animation because like if this was any other studio or whatever they would have been like oh no this whole thing needs to be done like there would have been a lot more crunch time on things like they wouldn't have been given the freedom to spend four years on one sequence sort of thing um the second one can't come soon enough i sorry the first the second part is what i'm thinking the finale yeah i so we haven't talked on it yet but the the premise that there was no post-credit scene now our whole podcast is kind of named off the whim of that idea and we love discussing or what we think the post-credit scenes are or whatnot I am so fucking grateful they didn't feel pressured into having a post-credit scene. Yeah. Because, let's be real, it has become kind of the template of every superhero film now. The audience experts... Every film. Well, every... Yeah, every film is spread into other films now. It's like this idea of post-credit scenes. And almost to the point where it's like, you're doing it wrong if you've not got them. Like, people are disappointed if there isn't a post-credit scene. I can't imagine that anyone is disappointed that this didn't have one because the way that that ended on the reveal and the moment that it like cut and that was it, a post credit scene would have completely ruined that. And I'm so glad that they they understood that and believed in it enough that like, we don't need a post credit scene purely for the sake of maybe not upsetting people. They did have a post credit scene ready, but they decided to cut it. Oh, okay. Um, so originally there was going to be a scene in the film where Spot goes into a criminal's bar and essentially right. gets bullied for being shit. <laughs> and then the post-credit scene was going to be him going back to that bar and just murking people. Yeah, that would have been which cool. would have been good, but it... leaving it where they left it was absolutely the right decision. Just give us that in the next one, just in the yeah. film. Um. Yeah, no, I think I'm so glad that they they chose not to to do one. There's so many things I'm sure we've missed. We've probably missed so much, but I think we've we've covered a lot of the big stuff here. Um, to cover like how well this has done in cinema. Oh, it's craziness, isn't it? So the last last thing I saw was like how much it done on the Monday. So it's Wednesdays we're recording this this yeah. week. So this is probably even higher now. But as of Monday, it earned over $221 million. Yeah. It had the best opening day mm. of 2023. Which is no surprise. Yeah. The only... Um, it, it had the second best opening weekend uh, behind Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, but still, an animated film would never normally hope to touch them numbers, which just no. shows how crazy it was. It's almost earned more money already than the first film did in its entire run. I want them to continue this world. If it makes sense, yes. Yeah. Like, there are rumors of a um, Spider Woman spin off with uh, Gwen. Well, yeah, this is what I'm thinking. It's like, in a way, I'd be more than okay with spin-off films. Like, imagine we could have a Spider-Punk film. Just a one-off. Like, pure, like, 
in the streets of London dealing with British carnage. Yeah. I think would be great. So, not that we would ever advocate for piracy here. There is a very funny TikTok trend of people saying how they're going to illegally read (laughs) the Spider-Punk comics because they want to stay true to their boy Hobie, who would never want them to give money to a corporation. That's so good. And I'm just like, that is really funny. Um, It'd be even better if Marvel themselves leaked yeah leaked them onto a like a torrent site or something so that everyone thinks but it's like actually that's just what marvel wanted yeah um while this has been a very positive chat we do need to talk about something not as positive and very very infuriating oh for a minute there we were seeing the highest grossing film record of all time get crushed every new film that came out Mm. I think that is not going to happen again for a long time because I think straight to streaming has killed cinema. I think people knowing within a month or two months the latest film from the cinema is going to be on a streaming service they already pay for has made a lot of people go, I'm not going to the cinema anymore. Once upon a time, we would have to book our tickets to go watch an MCU film at a midnight showing, the second they were available, otherwise we wouldn't get tickets. Now I'm going to one of the most anticipated films of the year, who's setting records for the best opening days and the best opening weekends, and there's empty seats. Yeah, no, this is definitely something I've noticed as we've been doing this podcast, and I've started going to cinema more. I choose, generally, I end up going later into the first week first of of the opening week just because of what i'm like and i often go for later night showings because i find them quiet and i do prefer a quieter cinema but the amount of times where like we're only halfway through the first week of the film being out i go to a later night showing and it's like just me or like there are maybe at most five to ten other people in there is wild especially for like an mcu film and I've noticed that there's so many films that the cinemas sometimes don't even run for a second week anymore. Like some films are in the cinema for a week, and if they really don't do well, then that's it. They don't come. They don't keep. Or the the second week is like heavily reduced times, and it's like wild to think that when some films used to be in like top of the like play order like would have every time slot available for like two, three weeks in the cinema. Whereas now, like you say, going straight to streaming, look at Marvel, right? They, the pattern is, everyone knows this now, is like, oh, there's a new Marvel film coming out? Don't worry, the last one will be on a streaming service before then because they want you to be able to watch that before watching the next one. Um, and the Wasp's been on Disney Plus for like a month now. Yeah, it came out, it, like, it pretty much is a month after the film's out, it comes to Disney Plus. Which is like, what, like, why, unless you want the cinema experience, just, you can just wait. Yeah, and like, I'm a sucker for the cinema, I love the cinema, I love, I love getting my big drink, I love getting my big popcorn, I love sitting there, and I enjoy the cinema experience, Mm. so I don't think I'm ever going to stop going. But, I think the cost of living crisis, Mm. 
meaning people can't go to the cinema as much, which is obviously a very different thing, as well as the speed at which it goes to a streaming service. Like, one, I remember once upon a time, and this makes me sound old as fuck and I'm not, that after a film was in the, like, started in the cinema, if it was available on DVD six months later, that was quick. Yes. Yeah, I used to, like, you pretty much would only get, movies would come out on DVDs generally around November because they would get them in for Christmas. Yeah. And it was, like, easily six months, if not longer. And I remember if I missed something in the cinema, looking up and it's like, oh, I've got to wait, like, seven months for it to come to DVD before I can watch it. Then when they started... Yeah, and then it's like... But then they started adding in digital, so you're like, okay, well, it comes out on, like, digital a month before it comes out on actual physical. And then streaming's just... Because the likes of, like, Disney, they own the film and they own the streaming site, they have full control of being like, yeah, we'll just put it straight on here. And it's like... Craziness. I get... Once upon a time, a film would have been in cinema for three months. You'd have been mm. able to go watch that film in cinema for three months. And if you didn't watch it in that three months, you would be waiting between three and six months before it was available on DVD. I only think this changes if we end up in a situation where, like, say Disney, but, like, either bought out a cinema chain or started their own cinema chain by buying up cinemas and theatres. And they would then maybe, then they would consider like, oh, we can make money off, like more directly off these cinemas. Oh, it's going to come to a Disney theater within a month where we're going to show it. Or like it's it's in Disney theaters for longer than it comes to Disney Plus because they're getting yeah. more of the revenue. Unless like st- these streaming sites start like transitioning into like the theater business. I don't see this changing anymore. Like, this is just the way it's going to be, unfortunately. I only see it getting worse. Yeah. I think... Just like I said, right now, they have to cut their revenue with the cinemas. Whereas, if everyone just buys a month of Disney+, Plus, they get all of that money. And Mm. they also bank on... They'll have a number that, oh, for every 100,000 people that just buy for one month, 30% of them end up just holding on to it for ages. I mean, that's I... how gyms have operated for years. Gyms would, they'd launch their New Year discount. Yeah. So that everyone would sign up. And then, like I said, it's a joke that's been told in every sitcom since the dawn of time. I, w- I don't want to go to a gym anymore, but it, it's really difficult to cancel. So you end up just paying for it month on month on month when you never go. That's yeah. what Disney Plus is trying to do. They're trying to go, oh, they've just put all the, the new Ant Man film on Disney Plus. I'll pay for Disney Plus for a month to watch it. Well, and yeah. then you don't get rid of it. Do you know what? It like, in a way, even smarter from Disney and like for them, is the fact that like they've been putting out so many Marvel films. It's like, say you go like you pay for it for Ant Man, and then you're two months down, you're like, ah, oh, I've not been watching Disney Plus. I should cancel it. And you start to think about canceling it, and then like, oh, the newest MCU films come out. It has come to Disney Plus at the end of the month. You're like oh, well, I'll keep it for when that comes out. And they keep, like, drip. whenever you might start to think about, I don't need Disney Plus, they're like, oh, yeah, the next thing's coming to Disney Plus now. 
the neck and it's like they keep just drip feeding them back in to keep you wanting it yeah. which i guess is very smart marketing from them and it makes total sense like they're just trying to make the money but unfortunately i think the cinema industry there's so many ways that these labels and actual production studios own the streaming services so they're going to make more money that way like well i mean if you, if you even look at avatar the way of the water which was supposed to be the biggest film of the decade because of look how big the first one was six months later and it's on disney plus they did milk it at the cinema though yeah no no but you know what i mean that's supposed to be like mm. the top one that's the one that would normally be in the cinema for like three or four months and then after that run, you've got to wait another six to ten months before you can get a DVD of it. And now it's like, what, it did like two and a half months in the cinema and six months from when it first came out. So like three months after it finished in the cinema, you can watch it on your streaming service. That's a big change. And, it, do and you know it's what happened it, in what, a ten years? It's purely they don't want that gap in potential money. Mm-hmm and it ain't going to change i think unless these streaming services start getting into the cinema business because they want to keep that cinematic experience alive which i do think it will st like cinemas won't go anywhere because there is enough of a demand of like things need to be watched in a cinematic way. like oppenheimer like the everything i've so seen on it is people saying you need to watch this on like an IMAX or some like and actually really experience how it was supposed to be viewed. And there's enough films that come out that like require that. But I do think nothing's gonna change on the streaming side of things. And if anything, you're gonna start to see more films just skip cinema that don't need that cinematic experience. Really Which is yeah, wild times. Wild times indeed. Right, so getting into the Nerd News Network. We've had um some interesting bits coming out this week. We have. Um, have we've indeed. got some more stuff from Chris Hemsworth, which mm. I can only assume is coming from interviews he's doing because his new film, The Extraction, is coming out. Mm. And, of course, because he's Chris Hemsworth, he's just getting asked a bazillion MCU questions. Yeah. Um, but first and foremost from the MCU, Captain America 4 seems to have been given a new title. Yes. And not it in like have... an announced way. They kind of just like no. subtly put it out there. Yeah. So it seems to now be called Brave New World instead of New World Order. So apparently mm. the reasoning behind this may have been that they realised the implications of the actor playing the rumoured main villain being Jewish and the film being called New World Order might not send the best message. Yeah. So it's... they changed it slightly. It is a bit... Yeah, it's one of those where, like, we obviously know the New World Order is referencing the storyline in a comic book. But it's like, to the outside, the term New World Order other than like comic books, has a very um, conspiracy theory-esque notation yes. to it and, and other and, things. And yeah, certainly a little bit of anti-Semitism, which yeah. isn't ideal. So I think titling it Brave New World is a 
smarter move marketing wise. And yes. I mean, it's not going to change the story. And so it's not the, the first title time. changes nothing about the film. It's not the first time that the MCU has changed titles on films midway through. Like, they've done it before where, like, they've put a title out, and then obviously, it, as it sat out there, probably listening, then they've listened to, like, the response of that and then gone, actually, we could remarket this as something else. Yeah. And it's, yeah, like I said, it was a very inconspicuous retitling. The way Marvel announced it, so the official Marvel Studios tweet, was a picture of Harrison Ford and Anthony Mackie. Oh, yeah. Um, doing like a little a on like set chairs, which had the new logo on it, mm. and then they just went on set filming Captain America: Brave New World. Yeah. That was it. They they didn't acknowledge that it was a retitle or anything. Um, which no. makes me believe very much so that it was done for a marketing reason because they hadn't considered the connotations. Yeah, and I think, like, they've done it before where when a film's announced through, like, the phase plan, they've changed from those titles a lot. They've changed a lot of times, yeah. So I do think sometimes, like, they obviously need to come up with a title very early on for those situations. So, like, be like, this is the film. Here's the name of it. Then as marketing's going on, as the film's been made, they're like, ah, actually, let's change it to this. This is easier to market it and market's better. So... It's not, nothing um, crazy. But. So, on here for this, this Chris Hemsworth interview, I've only written mm. down one thing. There are a couple of things. Mm-hmm. So, first, he said he thinks they ended up having too much fun filming Thor Love and Thunder, mm. which he thinks ended up allowing the film to become a bit too silly, which is why it got its mixed reviews. Which I think I can see where he's coming from there. Yeah. Um, even though I did enjoy it, I do think he's completely right in places. It was a bit silly. Um, and I think I'd rather it be because they were having too much fun on set than just a fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it makes sense, right? It's in those situations where you're something happens and like oh that's so funny. Yes, let's run with that. Like, like lean into it, and then it's just like it kind of snowballs. And it's like, before you know it, you are doing really wacky stuff. Like, maybe the Screaming Goats was just, like, the culmination of, like, some funny jokes. And, like, wait, yeah. gets to a point, it's like, we should have the goats just scream all the time. Yeah, that's fucking hilarious. And, like, just not considering the bigger picture. We, we've all had nights out or gaming sessions or time shilling with a mate where you guys are hammering a joke to death. And for the entire time you're doing it that night, you are dying, like sides yeah. screaming in agony because it's that funny. And then you're all together again trying to tell the story to another person and no one finds it's it funny just, anymore. It just doesn't hit. Because sometimes stuff only hits in the moment. Yes. Um, and I think that's what happened with some of the stuff. Um, yeah. Another thing which he said was very humbling was one of his daughters, like one of his daughters, their friends, mm. like watched and critiqued the film. And apparently that was quite a humbling experience because they said it had them, yes, it was funny, yes, it was good, but it had us cringing in places and they thought it was a bit too silly at times and yada, yada, yada. That must be one of the most humbling experiences of all time. Well, yeah, because kids kids can be brutal. I am Chris fucking Hemsworth. I am Thor. I have been a big part of one of the most successful franchises in movie history and my 
eight-year-old daughter's friends are telling me they thought it was cringe. Cringe and blue pill. <laughs> I, when did uh, having when did having like a film star parent start being cringe? I've. <laughs> um, I did also see that he said. And I think what you mentioned about he's obviously doing press for his new stuff. And I think what's happened is that other week when like a little bit of this has come out, as he's doing press run, obviously these interviewers are now like, oh, so this came out last week. Do you want to just touch on that as well? And now he's being asked it. Yeah, now he's being asked it a million times. I saw that he was mentioning like he's enjoying having, like he wants to take a break from acting collectively and only playing in things that are like meaning more meaningful to him and the idea of putting down four is not like he's more than happy to take a break from that like yeah i get it we talked about um, it last week yeah another thing was he thinks a big so he's asked about super movie fatigue mm. and i think he's come to the same situation that we've come to realize and other people have yeah is it's not actually a concern about too many superhero films it's the they aren't high enough quality mm. and they are all going for end of the world scenarios, which stops them feeling as grounded. Whereas the two that we've adored most since Infinite War and Endgame have been Guardians, No yep. Way Home, and um, Across the Spider Verse, which are, yeah, they have implications bigger, mm. but they are very internal, lower level stories that hit on a much more personal level and he thinks that's what we need to focus on more yeah we've the, we've said it before but it's like it's mcu especially started off that way and built it up and that's why it worked for end, up to end game because like we were there for the build-up and then it's like they've tried to just carry it on with new characters and new, like it's like the end of the world thing ended this feels like then like towards it's like you don't necessarily realize it, but like you feel like they should just go back to like now they're back to dealing with their day to day shit. Yeah, it's not going to go from end of the world straight into another end of the world. That just doesn't seem relatable enough. Um, yeah. and he also said he was asked about um people like Scorsese and Tarantino's comments <laughs> on superhero films, and he basically said what everyone says: it really sucks that they don't like them. I respect them greatly as directors, and I'd hope to work with them. But if they don't respect what I've done so far, I doubt that will ever happen. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go out there and say that this is really gonna piss off the film bros if they get hold of it. Nothing Scorsese or Tarantino have done will ever make me feel the way Spy Across the Spider Verse made me feel. Like well, Scorsese's really gonna sit there and go, "Oh, superhero films are all the same." My man, you've just done gangster films your entire life. Grow up. Tarantino, you, you're going to say it's not art. I'm sorry, all you do is get attractive women to show you their feet. <laughs> Grow up. It's, Come on now. It's almost Let's as bad perspective on it. as like the Fast and Furious cast being like, oh, superhero films are so overdone and dragged out. Oh, by the don't way, we're doing, me, we're doing spin-offs. Don't even get me started on Vin Diesel acting like Fast and Furious has changed cinema. Oh, don't. There's only one spin-off I want from that franchise and it's to go back to Tokyo when Han was alive and it's him in his early days. And Just it's like take legit us, old school Fast and Furious. Take us back films. to Han building his reputation in Tokyo, doing drifting and whatnot and then we're back to the cars. Like, fuck all this other bullshit. That's the only spin-off I want. Everything else you, can you, go. You, you, just, you just want a 90 minute 
uh, JDM montage. Pretty much. Cool. <laughs> um, really interesting stuff coming out of DC as well. Mm. So Bill Skarsgård, very, very talented actor. Um, he's rumoured to be connected to a DC role. Not in the Brave and the Bold film. So mm. the popular fan theories are maybe a Superman villain like Alex Luthor. Or maybe Matt Reeves is casting him as his Scarecrow. Bill Skarsgård looks like a Scarecrow. Like, not an actual Scarecrow. Like, how I would imagine Scarecrow could look. I need to re-look up what he, my brain's... Mm, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. That young doctor who is quite handsome, but also has a creepiness behind their eyes when they want it. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, 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 hundred percent. You see him as like a scarecrow. Yeah. Um. So people are really curious to see what might come of that. Um. But that's not the only big brave and the bold related news. Even though the only news about that from brave and the bold is he has nothing to do with brave and the bold. Um. The writer and director combo from the Flash film are apparently doing the brave and the bold. Now, here's the thing. A lot of people have accused the Flash film of just being a glorified Batman film. So maybe this works. <laughs> yeah. And to be fair, we obviously and we, we haven't seen it yet. We're, there's mixed reviews. Some saying that like it's great, but it has its flaw. Like There's a lot of different reviews. Most saying that it is a, rooted in a great film, but has maybe some flaws. We know That's that... 90% J of films do. Yeah. We know that James Gunn's seen it, and he said he loves it. So it doesn't surprise me that he's got, like, basically seen it and gone, I love what you guys have done. I'd love for you to work on, to stay working on DC stuff if you want to, and we'll, you can have a DCU project. And then they've come to, like, Brave and Bold. The big question for you, and it's more of an opinion question, I don't expect you to give me a yes or no answer. <laughs> Do you think that we can potentially suggest then that the tone of the Flash film might be similar to the kind of tone we can expect from James Gunn's DC? Possibly. We have, I mean, we we know that James Gunn said that not every film's going to have the same tone, but obviously they have to tie it together. Possibly we'll have a similar tone. Um, Might give us an idea of how it's going to visually feel, at least. Yes. I mean, it's very much going to have the DCMCU feel visually. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, I mean, once we see The Flash, we'll know, oh yeah, this is a great decision. Or hopefully it's not, we don't watch the film and go, maybe, maybe we don't want them. <laughs> I, One thing I, I will say is, with the um, Rotten Tomato scores for the Flash Knight to come out now, mm. it is chilling around the mid-70s, which isn't great, but a lot of people have gone through and read the reviews, and the people marking it low only seem to be talking about the controversy surrounding Ezra Miller. Well, that was expected. So it might be that that score is that low because of the controversy, which I don't think is fair to tarnish a film based on... No. 
I'd be I'd much rather rate the film honestly how much I enjoyed the film and then just as a footnote go but Ezra Miller ruins my enjoyment of this film yeah but I want to know how good they genuinely think the film is a lot of them won't be able to look past that yeah and I think that might so like this could be one don't get me wrong Rotten Tomatoes is always a bit hit and miss um, and it, and like a rotten tomato score means dick all until you get the audience score anyway. Well, yeah. Um, but it will be interesting to see how we feel after watching it, which is like two weeks time. No, next Friday. I can't remember how many weeks. Not two days. Oh yeah, we're recording on a Wednesday. Um, <laughs> not not this Friday coming. The following Friday, the sixteenth. That's when we. That's when I'm going to see it. Right. Okay. Because if I don't go on that Friday, Jenna's then going to on holiday and I'll have to go by myself. And what kind of loser would go to the cinema by themselves? <laughs> uh, I, I do. I'll actually, quite we'll f- an enjoyable experience. Should we find a cinema in between the two of us and we'll just meet there? That's probably Luke. And like, around Birmingham, way. Right? We don't have to tell Luke. <laughs> <laughs> just be on his basic doorstep. <laughs> um, the big news um, this, this is a huge bit of news and we're going to need the uh, community to help us out here um, we need uh, $7,000 so that we can each buy the Apple Vision Pros so that we can watch Disney Plus as it was intended I've tried not to express my opinion on this on social media Apple is a fucking they're, they're, they're dumb they have they they have no concept of what the consumer would actually like. All these people being like, "Oh my god, it's fucking amazing!" They've okay, created this okay. amazing thing. I'm like, no, it's fucking useless because ninety percent of the world isn't going to walk around with a fat fucking goggle on their head that only yeah. lasts for two hours and costs three and a half grand. Would 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 you like? We won't harp on this for too long. I thought it was funny. Um, here's the problem. What you're saying now was the reaction to the iPhone and the iPod. And also, you're forgetting how many... I'm telling you right now, this will be the biggest selling AR, VR kind of bracket style of product of all time, even at its price point. Until they release their second gen and bring the price down, this will outsell everything we've seen so far. I mean, the problem is, VR, no. Because... Hive and all those have sold incredibly well. AR, it's not got much competition. I mean, you've got Google Glass from like 20 years ago. <laughs> and then you've got I some Microsoft Lens thing. Don't get me wrong, based right? On, based the, on what people who've got hands-on experience have said, apparently it is incredibly don't, impressive. Don't get me wrong. From that side of things, the tech and what they are wanting to produce, yes. I just think they're doing a Google Glass and it's too soon. Because I've said since Google Glass, AR is the future, not VR. VR will not be the future of where things go. It will be AR because it's mixed augmented reality. Having like tech overlay on the real world, it is more practical. But until it is a non-intrusive thing, which a massive headset, which only has so a two-hour battery life. It just feels so dystopian. It's 
all they've like the tech is too early in my opinion for a consumer level but they've amplified it by going smooth sleek curves and then slapped a fat price point on it and gone yeah apple fanboys will buy this but they will you know they will it's going to sell insanely well they will but it also won't because I do think that if you have you seen the response when it was announced, like how all the crowd went ooh to the price, hmm. like the visual, like the the audible response from even the people at an Apple convention gave to that price shows that they've come in a bit steep. I, I do get what you're saying, but I, what I think will happen is you'll get the people who are absolute diehards. Or people who just have enough money and they're well, yeah, curious, and they'll and and I think they're all going to be blown away by it because it seems like it is mind blowing tech. And once that first batch of people who bite the bullet and buy it go, wait, this is actually nuts. You'll get that second batch going, okay, maybe it is worth that price. And then they'll, they'll, they they the the price will come down. But until I can essentially wear glasses like you've got and have augmented reality. It's too dystopian for me. And as someone who literally spends most of my life in my bedroom staring at monitors, typing, playing video games, and not really interacting with other humans, if it feels too dystopian to me, it's too dystopian. Well, here's the thing. Like, it goes back to me saying it's too early. Google Glass went for the sleek look, but it was too early because the tech wasn't quite there, and people weren't ready to adopt that sort of tech. This is... We're getting to a point where people are more open to this idea of like ar and mixed reality and that tech but it's not at a tech usable consumer level this is there's two big things like you say it needs to be glasses or contact lenses i've always said if you get it down to a contact lens whenever that is done then the, the game changes like having a phone in everybody's po- a smartphone in everyone's pocket i would never ever put contacts in i'd rather go blind it scares me the thing is, if it's the the thing is, they'll do contacts or glasses is what it'll get to. Well, the staff is glasses, but they will get to a point where there'll be a contact lens option. But until it's at that point, it's just not user friendly, and I don't care how sleek you make it look, and if you slap an Apple logo on it, it ain't user friendly, and it's only got a two hour battery life. Like it's just not gonna. Put, put it this way, VR has been a thing since I was in like year seven, which was 2011. Yeah, and everyone's been like, it oh my god, VR's on... the next thing, and yeah. it's still not gone anywhere. In that entire time, the only legitimate use case I've still heard for it is porn. <laughs> That's going to be improved with the uh, Apple Glass. Mate, it's going to be wild. This this but is still... what I've said it ever since v- I said it back when VR was coming out, and everyone's like, oh my god, VR is the next big like thing. This is where gaming is going to go. This is, I'm like, it's not it's gimmicky it's unless you can make it so realistic with the tech like graphics wise until like ultra realism it's just gonna feel gimmicky and i've always said that ar is where the things will go because essentially you'll get rid of your phone and you'll have glasses that's where it's gonna go and i think apple's trying to get Apple's taking the leap, but I still think they're too early. Like, it's going to be like, I don't even know what they've called this thing. Apple Apple Vision Pro. Okay, it'll be like the Apple Vision 10 before it's even anything like glasses. So we're Um, talking like 10 years. 
I'd like to apologize for derailing this train. I didn't realize how strong Hori felt oh, on this. I've seen so many people going on about it, and I'm just like... Um, we have a launch date for Ahsoka. <laughs> we do, and I'm very excited. Uh, August 23rd. Did you watch the new teaser? Mm, I don't believe so, no. There was a couple of extra scenes in there with Sabine. Yeah, see, here's the thing. This, 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 a lot of this is going to mean nothing to me yet. Yeah, and the grimace the, on your face there said everything. I know because I want you to f- hurry up and watch stuff because I'm trying to. I need to be careful. On you what know I say. what chasing the dopamine is like right now. Modern Family is where the mm-hmm. dopamine is hidden. <laughs> I understand, <laughs> but you've got you're running out of time. <laughs> I am. I, I'm going to end up like watching this show 24 hours a day for three weeks like right before Ahsoka okay here's the thing when I go on holiday in a couple of weeks it's like a three hour flight each way they're 20 minute episodes smash them out that's 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 20 episodes just on the plane this is a very chill holiday where there's not going to be a lot to do so I'll end up watching stuff there I'll get myself addicted to it during that holiday and then it will just be on my second monitor while I'm doing stuff once I get home we'll be fine there's one clip in the Maybe. little teaser where Sabine has a lightsaber. Sabine a Mandalorian, because she has Mandalorian style armor in the episodes of Rebels I've watched, but they've not really addressed that yet. Um I would say this isn't really a big spoiler, but yeah, she's from Mandalorian. Like she's got I mean, Mandalorian. She looks descent. Mandalorian as fuck. It gets like, it does go they do go into it eventually and and I'm not going to say anything more about that, but like that little shot of her with a. I know she gets the dark saber at one point. Okay. There you go then. You, it... you forget that I'm so deep in the. I, I know, but I, I can't, I can't remember oh, no, what yeah, you've seen or not. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. So it's it looks cool that that training hasn't gone wasted. Yeah. So I'm. Um, I I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm looking forward to, like, fuck to the show, and I know my... Like, if I'm this hype and I have no real reference to anyone that the show's about other than Ahsoka, Rebels is just going to enhance that to a whole new level. So, like, I'm gassed. Mm-hmm. Especially as it gets towards the end of Rebels. Yeah. And you, it gets closer to what's going to go, be going on. Yeah, 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 yeah. All, all I know is, based on the arguments I'm seeing on the Twitter... Mm. Although Thrawn is the antagonist, a lot of people are saying he's not like pure evil. He's kind of like a guy trying to make the best of a bad situation in the Empire. But I don't know if that's just the absolute weirdos in the Star Wars fan base who think the Empire weren't that bad, or if he's genuinely quite a complicated antagonist. He's definitely complicated. I think there's maybe more a sense of like he has his vision of what he wants the Empire to be. Maybe it doesn't necessarily line up with where Palpatine wants to take it. But they're still both not the right side of things. <laughs> got ya, got ya. Um, um, Secret Invasion also got a new little teaser spot. Fuck yeah, they're running like... Two weeks. Two weeks, two weeks exactly, two weeks today. And we also got confirmation that episode one and two are 50 minutes plus each. Yeah, 55 and 52. So, some juicy episodes to kick things off. I don't fucking wait. I hope they keep them all 50 plus. And hopefully we'll get enough episodes in a season we don't have past issues that we've had to deal with with the shows. Yeah. And hopefully they don't have to rush the finale. 
because it all builds too slow. That is my only concern because it's an espionage theme. It would be very easy for it to be a slow burn, and then, and then them go shit. This is the last episode. Bang. Yeah. I re I'm, I am slightly concerned about that. Um, and I think that says a lot about the MCU as of recent. Whereas normally we would give them benefit of the doubt. I'm not as confident giving them benefit of the doubt anymore. Yeah, it's hard, especially with their shows because their shows haven't proven that yet. But it does have the potential to be like an all timer. So it does. We hold out hope. Um, should we get into the content championship, Mr. Zomto? I think we shall. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. You've not seen Batman Beyond in its entirety, have you? Correct. I've maybe seen the odd bit here and there. Okay, cool. So we're basically fighting against each other to convince the other one the, per the show they haven't seen is better. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Awesome. Let's fucking do <laughs> it. Okay, so personal relevance. Yes. For Star Wars Rebel, I have written, haven't finished it slash seen it. I put for Batman Beyond, never watched. Don't even remember it being on TV for me. <laughs> to be fair, you were in like your mid-30s when it started airing, so. Bro. <laughs> Bro. I was um, like eight. <laughs> For, for Batman Beyond, I put iconic, my favourite version of Batman media. It's been a while since I've rewatched it, which we'll get into in a minute. Um, but a lot of it still sticks with me. And I think that really shows just how ingrained in my early memory it is. I have, like... Like, I can visualise, like, what the Batman looked like in it and sort of, like, have a rough visual reference. I don't really remember anything. I've maybe seen the odd bit, like clips and stuff here and there. I for Rebels, and whereas Rebels is like, I fucking love Rebels. I watched all of it, and yeah, I mean, I hope that has way more personal relevance to me because I yeah, Star Wars. Yeah. Go on. Um. I was I was just gonna say I know for a fact I have a VHS tape of like the first three episodes of the first series of Batman Damn. Beyond that when I was younger and I wouldn't sleep there was like three or four videos that my parents would put on to help me sleep so like one was the first Aladdin film nice Um, one was that Batman which was in hindsight maybe not a brilliant decision but it did the job Um, and a couple of others I think one was like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers film and then another one Um. so yeah like very very big part of my childhood like i i yeah i mean you know my feelings on a live action batman beyond film i would yeah commit war crimes for it um how well has it aged not as well as tori who has aged like a fine wine there we go nice ab age yeah. jab i'll, I'll take um, that one <laughs> so for rebels i took a bit of a punt okay um the hype around the character's return in ahsoka Probably means it's aged really well. I've put Rebels has aged amazingly with all the additional story. Obviously, it filled a gap and we've got more story that has played into it. And with a lot of these Star Wars things that we're bringing up on Content Championship, it's like a lot of Star Wars stuff seems to age well because it gets more 
depth added through other stories. Plus, I thought also about to play a huge part in the Ahsoka series. So really is age flow in that sense. Um, Batman, as far as I know, is just as well received as it was when it came out. So yeah. pretty well. <laughs> I, I've I've just put solid. I think similar to what we said for Ben 10, I think Batman Beyond has kind of been left to not necessarily die as much, but it's kind of a because Batman is such a solid brand. Mm. It's not like people are bored of Bruce Wayne's Batman, so they need now need to capitalize on these side bits. Yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, it's a thing. We'll get around to it at some point. It's still deeply loved to a lot of people who love that show. And there is a corner of the internet sat there, like myself, ready to do whatever necessary to get a Batman Beyond Project greenlit. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Like you say, like with Ben Tennis, it was good when it came out. It's, animated shows, it's hard for them to age badly unless there's some like tone deaf <laughs> writing yeah. in it. Or uh, the voice actor gets out as a nonce or something. Yeah, or something like But like for the most part, like it, I can imagine it is as solid as when it came out. Yeah. Re rewatchability. Uh I put I would happily rewatch Rebels for Chopper alone. Um and also because it plays into the bigger story of Star Wars. Batman, sure I'd happily sit down and watch it for the first time. Well, here's the thing. I put no opinion on the rewatchability of Rebels. I'm sure by the time I finish it, I'll be like, I would rewatch it, even though I'm not a massive rewatcher. Mm. Um rewatchability for Batman. Very interested in rewatching it, but rewatching DC stuff is basically impossible in the UK. <laughs> um, just got to go job in. I'm just going to Google Batman Beyond quickly and see if there is any way to watch it over here. Um, what show? Rent it, probably. Yeah, it looks like maybe you can rent it. Um, That's usually the only UK option. There is three seasons. Okay. Um, and you can buy it in standard definition for yeah. £9 for season 1, £15 for season 2, and £10 for season 3. Feels like daylight robbery. Um, and there is what? It's like 13 episodes a season? Oh no, there's 26 in season 2. That's why it's so much more expensive. Uh. Yeah, in total, it's 52 episodes, <clears throat> and you're going to have to pay like 35 quid. Seems a bit excessive. It does, doesn't it? If only there was a streaming service that would allow us to watch all of that. <clears throat> yeah. Um. So yeah, I'd love to rewatch it. Um, because I know it would still bang, but mm. I can't justify paying forty quid to rewatch an animated show once. Yeah. It's that, it's that easy. Yeah. It's pretty fair. Um. Now these next three are probably where it gets even more difficult for each of us. Yeah. <laughs> So for I'm I'm just gonna give my um thoughts on Rebels right now. Okay. Story question mark. Acting question mark. Cinematography question mark. I haven't got a fucking clue. Yeah, I've seen like the first two or three episodes. The voice acting seems solid enough, maybe a little bit cheesier bordering on children's TV, because that's what it was airing for. But mm. it's not bad. Um Story is a very Star Wars story, and the animation style is slightly worse than Clone Wars, in my opinion. But it's very much a preference thing. I'll cover Rebels before we get into Batman. So, story. Um, I've got to be careful here. It 
fills its period of time very well and it does help tie up some story lines um and you get to see a new side of things with like jedis um also i don't know you know the kenobi moment yeah okay so we get darth maul in the kenobi moment so kenobi! The, the story that you don't know on the build-up to that very good acting i mean we got an amazing performance from sam witwer as darth maul doing the yeah. kenobi scream he he's Freddie prince jr's um was amazing as kanan yeah and both incredible star wars fans and know their stuff and put in great performances cinematography i was like i mean it's got the standard star wars animation style like it's it's clean it's good it came out like in that gap between the end of clone wars and the final season of clone wars so it's like the peak clone wars animation and then it's kind of just let in so i mean cinematography and all that stuff it's you can't fault it 100 percent uh batman i don't know the story i know kevin conroy is great uh when wasn't he oh what's up oh now i'm sad it's standard anime like cartoon animation like it's not but you can't really fault that so this is where you come in because i don't know (laughs) these so the story is solid it's old batman trades a new younger guy to protect gotham it's set in the future batman kept on being batman for a long time you eventually find out that one night he had the most chad heart attack ever (laughs) while trying to save someone he started having a heart attack the guy started beating the fuck out of him so he grabbed the guy's gun and pointed it at him to get him to run away and then despite the fact he was having a heart attack got up walked out realized that he just pulled a gun to tr- to save his own skin and realized that he couldn't be batman anymore because he mm. was having to resort to stuff that batman should never do yeah so then gotham didn't have a batman for a while um and then terry mcginn came into his life i believe in the towards the end of the show we end up finding out that terry mcginn is like a genetic partial clone of bruce wayne oh which is why he was such a good Batman because, like, he was literally built for this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you get like a grumpy old Bruce Wayne who kind of plays like an Alfred. You get Bat the Ace Hound. Uh, sorry, Ace the Bat Hound. Um, which okay. is always great. Yeah. It's, it's solid. Um, acting, really good voice acting, top to bottom. You don't miss with Kevin Conroy. No. It's that simple. Um, I'd say it's actually for its time really really good voice acting for a 90s very much aimed at kids show mm. really solid voice acting um cool. cinematography very late 90s style of animation but timeless at the same time yes like and, and maybe that's because of a pure nostalgia thing but you look at it and you know when that aired and yeah. you go yeah that hits um I know what you mean. but i mean it's solid i feel like it's impossible for us to fairly decide a winner here yeah because we're gonna have bias i mean well we we can't give the other side any points because we have no idea no 
And it's tough because obviously I'm going to lean Star Wars and you're going to lean. Because, uh-huh. like, obviously, personal relevance, we can agree that that's just straight up tie. Rewatchability, straight up tie. How well it's aged, maybe I would tip it. Star Wars. I, is I'd just... probably tip that to a Rebels, yeah. Just purely because it's been made even more relevant to yeah. additional content. Whereas Batman doesn't get that. Batman is just standing on its own. Um, then you get story s- acting and cinematography. We can't. Yeah, obviously, I'm gonna go Star Wars because I know the story. You're gonna go Batman. Like, I think both had amazing performances. Both had their style of animation, and it stood the test of time. Both have probably incredible stories. I think the only thing that kind of tips it is how well is it aged and tips it slightly in Rebels' favor, but like obviously we, yeah. it's it, pretty it, even. It, yeah, I think the only fair thing to do is a stu- a thing we don't do often. Mm. Give it to the audience and see if they let let the people who have seen both decide. Okay, and if we don't get enough decisions. Um, I'm going to create alt accounts to vote for Batman. <laughs> uh, YouTube comment bots. <laughs> um, but I think that's all we can really do. Um, yeah. Uh, it's... So if you are one of these lucky, lucky people who have already seen both, let us do, know. Do you know what we could do? Go on. Uh, before either of these two have to move on to the next round, like before we get to that point of who they're facing, uh, you could watch Rebels. Are you going to watch Batman? I don't You've know. You've got if episodes I'm... to watch me. Yeah, but I've got to pay. <laughs> I'm I'm sure there's a man on a boat somewhere who could help you out. <laughs> oh. Um. But yeah. yeah, we will. Um, we'll have to leave it up to you guys. Let us know. Batman Beyond Star Wars Rebels. What is your preference? And do you know what it is? There's probably the people who've watched both would probably in their gut go Rebels is better, but then they've not thought about Batman Beyond in so long. It's hit a big old nostalgia mm. nerve that's just made them go, ooh. <laughs> nostalgia goes hard. It does. Um, well, anyway. Uh, that is it, it from us this week. Yeah. Next is. week is the last week before shit truly explodes. Yeah, things about to get busy because we've got yeah. Flash, we've got Secret Invasion, and then Ahsoka. Yep. There's, then, there, there, I assume we're covering at least Oppenheimer, maybe Barbie as well, depending if you want to go see Barbie. I'm going to go see Barbie. I'm going to try and go see Oppenheimer. Um, I want to. Yeah. It, it's getting busy again, and lots of shows are going to start rolling out again. Yeah, it's the shows that are going to get the ball rolling, so... Yeah. Um, but make sure you like, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss anything. Yes. Um, and we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week.